It's Monday, September 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, gents. Yo! It's Merger Monday. Maybe. Maybe. It's maybe Merger Monday. Let's talk about a Merger Monday. We've got a couple of deals in the works, or certainly one that is reportedly in the works, one that is being strongly urged. We'll also dip into the full mailbag. Let's start with the deal that is reportedly in the works which is uh, SoftBank, which is based in Japan, is reportedly in talks to buy DreamWorks Animation. DreamWorks Animation stock up more than 17% this morning. So kudos to anyone who owns shares. What do you think when you look at this deal on the surface? I I, I don't know. I'm, (laughs) I'm sort of flummoxed by it, although I should hasten to point out that the name SoftBank is a bit misleading. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's not it's like not it's not really a bank in no. the way that other companies that have the word bank in their title like for example Bank of America is a bank SoftBank much more into mobile IT broadband services that sort of thing. Yeah, this is like a tech company. This isn't a bank. Um you know, they they are into they have mobile communications uh, division, the Sprint division, fixed line telecommunications division, and the internet division. So this is obviously a very uh, a tech oriented company. And, and I tell you, from DreamWorks's perspective, this could be a really attractive way for Katzenberg to finally grow this company uh, beyond what he's been able to do to this point. Um, you know, and from SoftBank's perspective, I mean, this is a Japanese conglomerate. I mean, this is what they do: is they just they they buy all sorts of different companies to try to give them relevance in all sorts of different markets. And um, you know, very aspirational leadership there, trying to build, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of a two trillion dollar company uh, over the next uh, by by, by two thousand and forty. Wow. I think was the stated goal. So uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things. I mean, longtime listeners will will know that I have uh, not been too kind. The DreamWorks animation for a long time. And there's some interesting story here, Chris, some interesting backstory. Because, <laughs> uh, so, you know, with Supernova Explorer, um, so DreamWorks is, is a recommendation in Stock Advisor and Supernova Explorer. Last month, I was given the task of, of pitching that as one of the four. Uh, you know, stocks to, to be voted into the next uh, round uh, for the portfolio. So colleagues come to you and say, hey, look, you're a longtime bear on, or maybe not a bear, but you're certainly not bullish on DreamWorks animation. We'd like you to go out and make the bull case for it. And that was exactly what happened. And so, I mean, I, I for the longest time, I had that thing as a, a thumbs down in caps, uh, and I was winning, you know, at, th- at that point. And, uh, but even I could recognize that at a point, you know, this is a, this is a value style investment. I think I've always been very consistent in saying that. And this was a stock that was trading at around 1.4 times book value. You know, it's very lumpy as far as, uh, you know, when it puts out hits or doesn't put out hits. And it had gone through uh, a little, little bit of a dis- disappointing stretch. And so uh, the timing is everything, they say, in life. And this was actually a very good time for me to try to get on, on the bull pedestal here. And, and so I wrote up a report on it. I changed my, my thumb and caps to a green thumb. And, and lo and behold, today's pop has got me feeling pretty good about things right now, Chris. <laughs> it, it, it is interesting because this is, I mean, if you just look at the, the basic business, this is a company that is going head to head with Disney Pixar. Disney has their two animation divisions, Pixar and Disney Animation. And yes, there are hits. And yes, there are franchises like Shrek and Madagascar. Kung and Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. But they've also had some pretty big misses. And you look at just the stock performance, and while there have been the occasional moments where, where this stock has popped, over the last one, two, five years, this is a stock that has not performed well. 
relative to the market. I haven't followed it too much, but yeah, the whole movie business is tough for me to buy into strictly because you talk about the hits and misses, and they do happen to plague pretty much every company out there. Uh, this is one that I think, you know, if they're growing in China, they opened a production facility there trying to boost that business. Uh, the proximity to Japan makes sense with SoftBank coming in there trying to maybe build that side of the business. Obviously, a much bigger market in China. Um, I'm not big into animated movies, so this company isn't something that I really ever looked at. That being said, SoftBank just became pretty flush with new cash since Alibaba went public. I uh, think they invested $20 million 14 years ago, and now their stake is worth $75 billion. So, so, so that's worked out. So, so yeah, if they could find another one of those, that would, that would be pretty nice. But I don't think that DreamWorks Animation is, is that. So I'd say there are a couple of catalysts on the horizon that, that should give investors in DreamWorks at least, you know, Reasons for optimism. And number one is, you know, this is this has traditionally been a very DVD heavy business, right? Reliant on selling those DVDs, uh, which we know that, that that business is shrinking as streaming takes over. And so they, DreamWorks management's been very good about getting out there and uh, signing up new relationships with new companies. I mean, I'm talking about companies like Netflix, uh, Germany-based Super RTL, and then another European company called. Planeta Junior, uh, but they are signing these agreements to produce uh, more than fifteen hundred half hours of, of content for these streaming services. So, so they are making that move towards sort of the new distribution model. And they've recently brought uh, bought Awesomeness TV, a big YouTube property that that garners a lot of subscriptions and a lot of viewers. Um, and, and then they are, I think, taking you know a little bit of a uh, play from uh, from the Disney playbook here in in trying to ramp up their merchandising sales and merchandising sales are becoming a bigger percentage of overall sales here uh you know going from 6% in 2011 to to about 9.5% in 2013 so those are some reasons to be optimistic i think they're at least thinking a little bit forward in that regard uh i mean to be clear this is this is Katzenberg's company. I mean, like, there's a dual uh, class share structure there, which gives him 61 percent of the voting rights of the entire company. So, so this is going to be something that if if he didn't approve it, it wouldn't happen, right? But, but this very well may, uh, you know, be very interesting to to him because it, it, it's probably going to be the best opportunity for him to really, you know, spread more of a global presence than they've been able to uh, achieve thus far. It's interesting because Katzenberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, the founder of DreamWorks, one of the founders, um, sort of made his bones at the Walt Disney Company. Mm-hmm. And it was something of a public split when he left to go off and form his own company. Um, I think Michael Eisner was in charge of Disney at the time. So I'm going to attribute this quote to him. I may be wrong, but it was someone was was asking Katzen asking uh, Eisner about Katzenberg leaving, and and it was uh, there were negotiations back and forth, and ultimately Katzenberg left and formed his own company, and and someone asked Eisen, Eisner sort of like you know, are you concerned about this? And and Eisner said, no, not really. And it's like, well, why not? You know, Katz, Katzenberg had a track record of success. You, there were plenty of things at the Disney company you could point to and say, well, he's got his fingerprints on that. And Eisner said, well, yeah, I guess one of the reasons I'm not worried is because um, Mickey Mouse doesn't have an agent. (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, you know what? He's a talented guy and he's walking out the door. But you know what I got? I got Mickey Mouse. That's right. And all that comes with him. Um, The other merger possibly in the works, who's to tell at this point, uh, starts with a story that broke over the weekend about Starboard Value, uh, an activist investment group that announced they had taken a stake in Yahoo. They sent a letter to CEO Marissa Mayer um, that they made public urging her to essentially, Taylor, 
take those Alibaba billions and go out and buy AOL. And if you do that, you'll unlock great shareholder value and you'll save a billion dollars in in uh, sort of overlap between the two companies, that sort of thing. What do you think of this? Uh, here, here's here's one thing we know about Starboard Value. While they did not disclose how much they own of Yahoo, we know that if they had 5% or more, that would need to be disclosed mm-hmm. through a regulatory filing. They didn't do that. We know it's below 5%. But, you know, they're they're a major shareholder now. How seriously should Marissa Mayer take this suggestion? Well, judging by the company it's coming from, pretty seriously, they used to be a majority shareholder of AOL. They tried to get some activist share, um, board members, but shareholders struck them down in a proxy vote, so they exited that stake. But they probably became pretty familiar with AOL during that time frame, and uh, to see them try and spur this merger of two companies that haven't really been performing all that well lately... Um, you know they want all that Alibaba sh- cash returned to shareholders. Marissa Mayer said that she wants to use about half of it to return to shareholders, half of it for more acquisitions, and that kind of irked Starboard. And they basically said, you know, you spent about 1.3 billion over the last year or so, with very little or nothing to show for it on the revenue side. Revenue is actually down um, 4.2 percent over the last 12 months. So AOL has been growing revenue. Pretty much all on the revenue on the ad side. They've been doing the uh, the programmatic ad, ad revenues, where basically you're bidding and selling um, ad space, more much more targeted than traditional uh, marketing has been, and that's been growing pretty rapidly. I think they were um, about 34 percent of ad business this last quarter versus five percent last year. So that's the direction AOL is heading. Yahoo could obviously stand to benefit from better ad revenue management. Um, I think what I read was that they were trying to figure out a way for AOL to be able to buy Yahoo so that they could save some money on taxes. Um, with the Alibaba, they they sold about half of their stake. They had to hold on to the other half for about a year due to a lockup period. But I think it's a lot to do with tax savings. Like you mentioned, $1 billion in synergies they expect um, on the cost side. So, you know, as a shareholder in Yahoo, it could be a nice way to bail you out a little bit because it seems like over the last year or so, everything about Yahoo has been, oh, their stock price is all leaning leaning on um, Alibaba. Now that Alibaba is public, um, people are like, well, what's Yahoo worth now? I thought uh, Tim Armstrong, the CEO of AOL, uh, played it pretty smartly this morning because he was asked about this. And he basically said, hey, this is between Yahoo and Starboard Value. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is I'm, I'm just watching this play out like the rest of you. Well, it was earlier this year that I think uh, someone affiliated with Yahoo was asked about uh, potentially acquiring AOL or AOL being acquired, and, and and the reply was, well, you know, if if it is acquired, it won't be by us. Um, you know, I, I look at this basically. We have one company that's failing to grow, you know, their top line in any meaningful way, plus another company that's failing to grow its top line in any meaningful way. It just equals a bigger company that's not really growing, right? So, I mean, you know, this this is something that, yeah, maybe they they are able to whittle down some of the cost structure there. Uh, but I, I think you got to sort of take a step back and try. You know, let's look at the, the relevance of these two businesses and see which one, you know, is is still uh, you know more relevant today. I mean, I would argue that Yahoo is certainly the more uh, relevant of the two. And I mean, they have some very attractive verticals that come from that platform, financial and sports. And I think, you know, they need to continue to uh, really, I, I think, build that presence out. Work on on adding new uh, sorts of dynamics and features to that. I mean, I, I don't. If if I were a Yahoo shareholder, I certainly would not want to see. 
uh, a tie-up with AOL because I just don't think AOL is still a very relevant business today. You talk about uh, not being too relevant. Facebook is growing way faster in this programmatic yeah. ad ad buying and selling uh, business, and I would put much more faith in Facebook uh, growing that market share than AOL would. I would also put more faith in Marissa Mayer, and I say this as someone who is not a shareholder of either AOL or Yahoo, but I, I look at Marissa Mayer as someone whose track record as CEO on the whole has been positive. And if if she were struggling, if if she were making questionable acquisition after questionable acquisition in a really big way, as we have seen other companies do in the tech space, then then it to me it warrants an activist investor coming in and strongly suggesting this move. But I, I think that while of course she's going to take it under advisement because Starboard is now let's call it one of the ten largest institutional shareholders. I don't think she should feel the pressure to just run out and do whatever they say. Yeah, I mean, she's, she knows the company better than they do. And to see that, I've read a couple articles saying that it's a Marissa Mayer discount because they valued Alibaba and Yahoo Japan at a higher market cap than Yahoo currently trades at. So that's not even taking into account their core assets. Um, I think somebody calculated about 13% discount if you added it all up. So something is being priced in there, and some people suggest that it is Marissa Mayer as CEO. Got an email from Chet Felizic. I'm probably mispronouncing your name, Chet. Sorry about that. Listener number 17 in Seattle, Washington. Chet writes, if the amount of a bump is the same as a percent against the market, and even though you are not acting on it since you invest for the long term, do you feel better when it is a small bump into the green on a day when the rest of the market is red, or do you prefer to see a bigger number on a day the market is up? I love this question because, it, 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 first of all, there's no wrong answer. And that's my favorite kind of question. Because no our stock is up in both scenarios. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, and because it's a scenario where you're stocking up. But it goes straight to psychology. So, first, let's just take the psychological question. You just bought a stock a couple of months ago. The market's down. You see the stock is up. Do you feel better under that scenario or the market is up in general, but your stock's up even more? Taylor? Um. You know, I would feel better if my stock is up more than the market if the market is up, unless you know the it's a down day, but the entire industry that your stock is to, is a part of is is up because that means it's a little bit broader strength than just that company. Maybe there's some news that it's trading positively on that one day. If the whole industry is up on a down day, I feel good about the direction that it's heading. But you know, if it's if it's up much bigger than the market on a, on a nice um, on a nice bump day, um, that's just a little validation, I guess. Jason. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be lying if I said you didn't. You know, I didn't notice things like that. I mean, I, I think we all uh, just due to the nature of our job, see you know how how the market's moving and how our stocks are moving on a daily basis. But I, I do uh, try not to focus on that because you know I'm, I'm investing in these companies with a longer time frame in mind. So with that in mind, I would actually present a third option if I could in saying that regardless of whether the market is up or down. Um, I think that you've really made it as an investor if you can see your stock down on a day and and you can start getting excited. If you see you own shares of XYZ and those shares are down seven, eight, nine percent for whatever reason, um, I mean, if you can get to the point where you feel like, ooh, wow, man, now that's that could be an opportunity maybe to add on some short term weakness, on some sort of short term thinking there. Um, that is where I think uh, we need to be able to get ourselves and. It, 
I'm going to paraphrase something that Warren Buffett uh, says often. He's he says as net buyers of stocks, you know, we're rewarded, we benefit from stocks going down in the short run, right? Because we're going to, we know we're holding these stocks for long periods of time. We're buying stocks more than we are selling, so that just means that we can buy those stocks at better value points along the way. Because five, ten years down the road, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit of a different, a different story. For me, on a gut level, it is absolutely the former. If the market's down and a stock I bought recently is up, just again, just on a, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but just on a gut level, I'm like, yes. Well, there's like a sense of resilience, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, ooh, everything is really taking it, you know, taking it down today, but but my stock is still okay. Right. It's it's resilient. But the more I think about it, the more I think uh, that's I shouldn't be thinking that way. I should I should be more excited when it's the because to you know, and you you touched on this, Taylor. There are other. There are almost always other factors at play, and under a scenario where the market is down and the one stock you've recently bought mm-hmm. is up, that could be people closing their shorts. That could be, uh, for lack of a better term, artificial or sort of certainly short-term reasons why that's happening as opposed to long-term strength. But I, I, I no, I agree with what you said, Jason. We we want to get to that place mentally, but. <laughs> Since I'm not going to get there right away, I, I'm just trying to make the leap to feeling better on a day when the market in general is up and mine are up just slightly well, I'd be, more. I mean, I'd be interested to hear if there are any DreamWorks shareholders uh, out there today because, I mean, you've got a situation where the market uh, on the whole is down, uh, but DreamWorks shares are up 17 18%. Are there any DreamWorks shareholders out there? And if so, tell us what you're thinking. Tell us how you feel. Radio at fool.com is our email address. Let us know. And kudos if you're a DreamWorks animation shareholder. because Not a bad morning. You're, you're one of the few having a good day. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So no buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow.